Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is out. Tony Kennett from the Daily Signal and the Tony Kennett Show here at WIBC. Pinch hitting today. Now, Tony, yesterday we spent a lot of time talking about House Bill 1608. Oh, yeah. This is the bill that was presented at the Indiana State House through the House that would basically eliminate sexual content being taught to kids grades kindergarten through third grade and it would also make it so that parents would have to be in the loop about any pronoun changes this doesn't seem like it would be that controversial of a bill but you were there yesterday i was there you saw people getting thrown out people camping out they were tailgating this is wild it was one of the best things that I've ever seen. Honestly, I was so glad that I went to the state house. I was the first guy in line for testimony. Uh, I've seen people just losing their minds on Twitter at my testimony, suggesting, you know, basic suicide statistic rates and maybe taking mental health seriously by getting the parents involved if there are children struggling with gender dysphoria, as any dysphoria would be concerned. Okay, now hold on. Let me stop you right there. Before you move forward with what you saw yesterday, sure. take me through your testimony and why you felt like you had to give it. So I have taught in various Indiana schools. I was an administrator as well over the entire Indianapolis public school system science department. So as someone who has directed teachers and how to deal with several kinds of policy relating to these sorts of things and having seen this in the classroom as well as have having talked to a lot of parents and teachers over the last couple of years, I thought that I was able to come represent a lot of those individuals as well as my experience and share that I thought HB 1608, which only does two things, uh, very, very small things, you know, banning sexual education K through three, and then also making the schools talk to parents before the kid officially changes their name with the school. I thought those are two very good and simple things that a school should be doing. That, that's so all. how did we get to the point to where, People are calling this Indiana's don't say gay bill and WTHR channel 13. They had it up there earlier. Indiana's don't say gay bill. How did House Bill 1608 turn into that? So uh, 1608 is a three page piece of legislation. And by the way, the first page of that bill is a summary. So really, it's a two page piece of legislation. It's based off of Florida's 1557, which does the same thing. kindergarten through third grade. You cannot talk about gender identity and sex in the classroom. It's not appropriate for kids of that age. That's the whole bill. However, there are a lot of individuals like the Indiana chapter of the ACLU, a lot of LGBTQ groups as well, who are claiming that this means that you cannot be gay inside an Indiana school. I don't know where they got that. I guess that uh, Thanos is going to snap his fingers after the bill passes and gay people are just going to disappear into the wind. That's not what's happening at all. Um, It's about the teachers and what they're teaching, correct? Yeah, and also people ask in committee. Before we even got to the testimony, uh, there was one bleeding heart liberal uh, on the education committee. She asked very passionately, what if a child says, hey, I have two mommies and Jim has a mommy and a daddy. How will the teacher answer that question? And one of the 
representatives looked at her in the eye and said, as we have discussed before, which you just know it's going to be great. It's like a per my last email right. kind of response. She said, <laughs> a teacher can respond. Some families have this. Some families have that. And if the kid asks more questions, you send them to their parents because parents are the ones who should be talking about these matters to their kids. That's the whole thing. But no one wants to read the bill. Everyone wants to moan and cry and and beat their faces, which was really weird. I saw people like slamming their palms into their faces. It was it was very awkward in a way. It's like watching an episode of The Office when something's on fire. And again, I can't stress this enough. We're not talking about high school kids. We're not talking about junior high kids. We're talking about kindergarten through third grade here. And at any point, Tony, in this HB 1608, House Bill 1608, does it say the word gay nope, in the bill? doesn't. Not okay. even a little bit. So and it's by just the way, like you can't, what happens in Florida. Though. No, you can't talk about straight sex and, and straight relationships in, in the classroom either, which, by the way, you, you shouldn't. Um, and by the way, that doesn't mean that you can't say, like someone said, well, what if I'm a teacher who who gets engaged? I can't tell my kids that I'm engaged. Uh, that's not at all what that that means, you know, unless you, you know, proposed while you were both in the sack and and a little intimate. That that would be a, a detail you maybe should obscure from your students. But other than that, no, I, I talk about I don't care if you mention you have a spouse or if you have a picture of you with your partner on your desk standing in couple pictures as we all do. That's not what's up for grabs here. It's lessons on sexual content, period. How many of the people you think protesting this have actually read the bill? Zero. Just a gut feeling. Zero. Absolutely. Negative numbers, actually, because some <laughs> of the Democrat representatives in the House had to be reminded during committee what the bill said in line two. They can't even be bothered to read the bill that they're whining about. I, that's why I joked on Twitter the other day. There should be a new law that says you have to read a bill before you come to testify on it. So if I understand this correctly, let's just say, and I, I know this is a big stretch here, at third grade, let's say there's a child that comes in sure. that says, I am gay, and they make it perfectly clear to all of their friends, they're still going to be welcomed in the classroom. It's just the teacher is not going to be talking about gay or straight type of sex stories. Is this correct? That is correct. And a uh, real fun fact here, uh, kids that when I was in various classrooms would come into the classroom saying all sorts of stuff. And I would say the same thing that I would say to any student who came in and announced something. Shut up and sit down. It's time for class. Right. And that's what you're supposed to do. You see this stuff on a first-hand basis. Who's the kind of person that wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? I'm going to be the first one at the Indiana State House. I'm going to get thrown out of the Indiana State House because I believe sex should be taught to my second grader. I mean, I, I can describe this individual to you physically, uh, but I don't want to be mugged by Tumblr.com. So <laughs> okay. in, in all seriousness, it, it was really embarrassing to see. Uh, you, you really want the best of the best to come out and testify for your bill. And some of the testimonies that I watch had blubbering, crying masses who couldn't read the bill, much less any couple of sentences strung together. It was something I, I haven't really seen in a long time. People saying literally blubber, blubber, blubber uh, at the state house. It was wild to watch. How harmful are media stories? Like that headline from WTHR, Indiana's don't say gay bill pivots to kids gender identities. For people who don't follow this stuff as closely as we all do. You know, we live in this world. The people that listen to our show every day, we all are informed. We live in this world. But there's a lot of people who will just casually scroll onto their phone. They'll see a news headline headline from a, a place that they follow and they'll see that and they'll think wait a minute indiana's trying to harm gay people what's going on 
Well, again, this is why my biggest piece of advice to everyone is just to read the bill. That's it. Read the bill. But for individuals who don't and are still trusting WTHR for some reason, which is just amazing to think at this point, there are a lot of journalists out there who will take the the nicknames for something and simply use it to, to generate clicks, which is what the Indie Star, WTHR, and other outlets are doing in order to foster rage so that people will get angry at something. In reality, that's not helpful. It's not useful. It doesn't drive good policy. It's just preening and posturing like a peacock. One of the guys covering what happened yesterday was from our news gathering partners at Wish TV, uh, Garrett Berquist. And he put out a tweet, quote, school resource officer who is transgender says House Bill 1608 would impede his ability to help and protect LGBTQ students at the school where he serves. Now, that's a wild thing to say. So the bill would ban uh, basically staff members from keeping information regarding a student being transgender from their parents. It would ban schools from keeping secrets because, you know, adults shouldn't be keeping secrets with children outside of their parents. Grades K through three. Just just saying. I don't know. That's just kind of a crazy idea. (laughs) But within that, I, I have kind of concerns over an individual who is willing to approach everyone and say, hello, I am transgender and I will keep secrets with your children from you. Uh, I don't know why I would. I don't think I would go around bragging about breaking the law like that. Kind of a bold move. I don't see a long employment in that individual's future if that's their mode of operandus. Tony Kennett is here filling in for Big Nige today. So another story that we are going to talk about is what happened with a former colleague of ours here at the radio station, Joe Stasniak. Hmm. A lot of people have sent me messages going, what happened with Joe Stasniak? So I'm going to give you the facts, right? And I spoke with his attorney, and the information I'm giving you right now is the most factual breakdown of what's going on. Uh, According to the court records and police records here, the Hendricks County Sheriff's Department arrested 56-year-old Joe Stasniak on preliminary charges of intimidation, pointing a firearm, strangulation, and domestic battery. There was some sort of domestic situation that took place out in his driveway. Did not involve his wife. I know so often when you think of domestic violence, you just immediately think of a man beating a woman. Right. That's not the case here. Uh, It was a male member of his family and another person that was with that individual. The charges that Joe is facing right now, per his attorney, strangulation, battery resulting in bodily injury, battery resulting in bodily injury. So the pointing of firearm, the intimidation charges have been dropped, and those are the facts. That's what we know. And what I've learned in this business is to be completely honest with your audience. Right. For those listening, you know that I know Joe Stasniak. I'm not going to sit here and act like I don't know Joe. Uh, Joe and I had a great working relationship here for a long time. And I'm going to let all the information come out before I throw anybody under the bus. And if you work in radio or television or journalism at all, you probably should have learned something from the Jesse Smollett situation, from the Kyle Rittenhouse situation, right. from the kid in Covington, Kentucky. I'm not saying that Joe is completely innocent here. I'm not. I have no idea. I just gave you the facts. But I'm not going to give you a take on what happened, something that's in the early stages of being investigated. All I can do is tell you that a couple of those charges have been dropped. 
the charges that I gave you were fresh from his attorney. Yep. And that is what it is. I hate that we even have to talk about this because, again, it's somebody that I know, but that's my job. Those are the facts. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Every time I hear this, I think of Tawny Katain dancing on top of the car. But I also think of Frank the Tank, Will Ferrell's character in the movie Old School, working on his car, revving it up at the beginning portions of that film. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Allison is here producing things. Tony Kennett is here. Uh, tonight, here on 93 WIBC, IU Basketball. Pre-game at 8, John Herrick and company have that. Tip-off is at 9 at Michigan State. Now, what's significant, Tony, about this game tonight? This is the first home game that Michigan State has had since the campus shooting. They have played a basketball game. It was on the road. Right. But this is the first time they've had a large campus gathering since that tragedy that took place where a guy that should not have had his weapon was able to use that weapon and take innocent lives. So it's going to be an emotional night. And every once in a while, what you see with sports, pop culture, is that something bigger than the event takes place. Right. Because those students going to that game tonight, those fans, those parents going to that game tonight, years from now, I don't think they're going to remember who won, who lost, how many points so-and-so had. They're going to remember coming together, and that's going to be really interesting to watch tonight. There's something that is just uh, culturally important in Midwestern basketball that, that really just lives and flows through every one of our veins, and, and I'm planning on watching that game tonight uh, because I'm looking forward to seeing that atmosphere. Like you said, everyone coming together, it's going to be a really energetic game. It's a really interesting pairing between the two teams anyway just getting ready to go into march madness right. it's a game both teams I'm, need to have I'm, really. I'm very excited about it as you can see on my face love march madness <laughs> uh, but i i'm really excited to see how the entire everything from the announcers to the to the referees all the way down to the concession stand workers are going to carry themselves differently tonight and i'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing that atmosphere because i think it's going to be better for everyone involved i remember the first football game that Virginia Tech had after the massacre that they had. exactly what came to my mind. And chills. Like, the hair is standing up on my arm right now just thinking about that. When they played Inner Sandman, and everybody started jumping around in that stadium, and you realized... Yes, you were getting back to normal, but this is something bigger. This is something important that we're all doing right now. This is part of the healing process. On a much smaller scale, when I was in high school, a, uh, a sister high school to ours, Colonial in Indianapolis, had a huge bus accident in which a, a whole group of teens was killed after coming home from a, a Christian camp. And uh, we were their first game, their first soccer game uh, going into the season pretty shortly following that and it was it was a really close atmosphere it was just this real wholesome kind of a brotherhood kind of sporting event and I I do remember that game and you're right I do not remember who won but something about that really transcends and I think it's that that athletic just good nature of a sporting event it's bonding it is 
George W. Bush throwing out that first pitch at Yankee Stadium, you know, the year of 9-11. Now, keep in mind, New York, certainly not a Republican hotbed, but here's a Republican president walking out to the mound, throwing the first pitch. He's wearing a flak jacket under his yep. Yankees jacket. And have you heard the Empire talk talk later about how, like, man, if he botches this pitch, it's, it's just going to look really bad and awkward. And they were already thinking about how they're going to have to recover it. But W. Bush just sinks that right over the plate gorgeous <laughs> everyone erupts i uh, people used to ask if there was one thing political that i did during my classroom i showed that clip every 9-11 every time and i ran a science classroom 9-11 has nothing to do with science class but i showed that clip that included george bush throwing that just that gorgeous fastball right over the plate i love it straight to this day espn did a really good 30 for 30 documentary on that and again you had snipers in the crowd he had a bulletproof vest on he was warming up in the yankees tunnel before the game Mm -hmm. and Derek jeter just casually walks over you better not throw it in the dirt. <laughs> and he's laughing and he's joking. He kind of broke the tension a little bit. But uh, yeah, that was one of those moments where Yankee Stadium, it didn't matter if that was a Republican or a Democrat out on the mound, that was your president, and he threw a strike. Do you think we could ever have a moment like that right now, Tony? If something, God forbid, were to happen in this country and either Donald Trump or Joe Biden had to walk to the mound as the president, would we have that feeling of unity where everybody in Yankee Stadium was chanting USA, USA? I I want to I want to hope. I want to believe that we could. I do. And I I do not think that that at this moment in time that we could have one of those moments, but I, I really want us to as a country because especially after comments about the national divorce and things getting more heated by the day, there there is a sense of, of the, the common American that does want to see kind of that post 9-11 unity restored, a good unity, not a faux unity, not, not some kind of fake putting on a show, but like you said, it's not some big play, it's not celebrity singing Imagine, it's a good old fashioned American sporting event, and I would love to see that. When bin Laden was killed, under Obama's presidency, there were baseball games where the USA, USA chant broke out. And it feels like that might have been the last time where groups of Republicans in mass would cheer for anything a, a Democrat would do and vice versa. Yeah, I remember seeing a video where a lot uh, after the uh, the death of bin Laden, the assassination, the complete and utter destruction by Robert O'Neill was announced. The shot to the um, face. Oh, just the most <laughs> manly American thing in history. Uh, West Point cadets running out of the barracks uh, into the common square, and they're all chanting and cheering and exciting. And that kind of unifying moment is really what you love in American culture. And that is an American cultural thing. You don't see those kind of things in the UK. It's a much more solemn kind of celebration over in the UK. Uh, but here in the good old-fashioned apple pie eating, beer drinking US of A, that is our cultural trademark, and I would love to see that back again, but people are going to have to put country over um, the, the pettiness of woke politics. That's Tony Kennett. I'm Jason Hammer. This is The Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. 
Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Hello, I'm Jason Hammer. Tony Kennett filling in for Big Nige today. Here's what I love about this show. First of all, you guys that listen every day and come back, God bless you. Thank you very much. But we have some of the best guests in America when it comes to their specific fields. So when we have issues with the two-way, when we have issues with guns, is there anybody you would rather hear from more than Guy Relford? No. I don't think so. And when we have issues with education. Tony Kennett, there is nobody in this country that covers this kind of stuff better than you do, that breaks things down and understands these things better than you do. Thanks. I'll pay you after the show. (laughs) And I mean this seriously. So it's part of what we do here on the Hammer and Nigel show. And you went on with Laura Ingram on Fox News last night. Now, first of all, before we get into the nuts and bolts of what you were talking about, how did this play out? Uh, do you mean like being asked on or just like the show yeah, in general? Yeah, because normally you promote stuff that, hey, I'll be coming up tonight on this or that. It kind of felt like this was kind of a last minute deal. Yeah, so it was a, yesterday was an absolutely crazy day. So beginning at the state house, you know, doing a lot of traveling, dealing with things all day, and then getting a call uh, mid-afternoon saying, hey, you know, want to cop on Laura tonight and talk about uh, education. And I thought this was due to the Indiana thing because the education committee passed 1608. Uh, and no, not at all. Biden administration is doing a lot of DEI crap again. So I did, like a lot of young former science academics do, I went and I got my data and I looked over all of my <laughs> studies so that I would be prepared. And then I went and I hopped in my little office studio and then a bunch of crap froze. And I had that miniature heart attack, oh. which was where they didn't do a test because I'd hopped on in the last month and so they don't have to do a test to see if your audio working. And I heard in the producer's voice when we signed onto the the call he's like i can't see you sir and i thought oh no oh no <laughs> i know but we we got it fixed and uh, it, it was a good segment it, the the attorney general from kentucky uh was on um before me and he is running he's running for governor soon his name's daniel cameron he is a powerhouse i wish we had a candidate like that in well he's Indiana. a big target from the left because he's a black conservative yeah, and that's not allowed to be a thing. You're, no, you're no. not allowed to do that. No, the, the peaceful and tolerant left doesn't like that. They'll name call you. No, have you seen how they treat Whitley Yates in Indianapolis for being a black conservative? Oh, my God. They roast her over the coals anytime she steps on uh, Wish TV and embarrasses everyone else. So take me through what the discussion was last night on Laura Ingram. So Biden administration is pushing all of these diversity, equity, and inclusion policies and how they're really, really helpful. Anything for the border? Anything for Ohio yet? No, no. But you see, education right now, we really need to solve these systemic injustices. Okay. And so this is kind of like the socialism five-year plan. We need to just do these (laughs) things and it'll work this time. Only the problem is there has yet to be one diversity, equity, and inclusion initiative that has improved one academic score. I am still waiting for the one inner city school that has tried a DEI initiative and math and reading went up. There has yet to be one. We've been trying these for a couple decades, according to data by Gloria Ladson Billings, um, who's very in favor of DEI things. Not one thing has worked. And so I cited Chicago, LA, Washington, DC, Baltimore, all who are spending 20 to $30,000 per student, and not to mention all these DEI initiatives. And yet only like 20, 10 to 20% of kids can read? 10 to 20% of kids can do math. It's horrible. 
but facts are racist. If I've learned anything from the political left, Tony, it's facts are racist. That's why the Biden administration is pushing uh, organizations that utilize AI to change their algorithms based on race, because apparently uh, algorithms are treating uh, Asian answers to things really well. I don't know what an Asian answer is, but apparently that's a thing. And and apparently black answers (laughs) are marked That sounds pretty damn racist if you ask me. Hey, man, I I also thought the same thing. Maybe good answers are good and bad answers are bad based on the answer, but I guess we got to assign a color because equality? I'm confused. That's the opposite of equality. At any point in your chat with Laura Ingram last night, did you ask her what she ever saw in Keith Olbermann? You know, I I didn't, (laughs) uh, but uh, she did call me brilliant at the end of the segment, so uh, I I got off my haunchy laurels and went to bed after the But then again, she also dated Keith Olbermann. So, So, I mean, you know, great grain of salt, but I I really enjoy hopping (laughs) on with her. She she has uh, she has definitely grown on me in the last couple of years. She serves up some fun stuff to talk about. And again, think about what we do here at WIBC. Uh, Nige and I, we go on these cable shows. We've done Fox. We do News Nation. We used to have a weekly uh, thing on News Nation. We've appeared on Fox and OAN before. Tony, you do these shows. You've been on with Fox. You've been on with Laura Ingram, uh, a number of other places. Tony Katz, he goes on with Lawrence Jones, I believe, every other weekend oh, on yeah. Fox. Yep. We got a cool little thing going here at 93 WIBC. Maybe that's why we're the most listened to news and talk station in the state and greater area. Just now, a thought. We're probably the biggest and the only one here in Indianapolis, but when we brag about our ratings, and if I could do a little self-gloss here for just a moment, oh, go one on, of the things <laughs> we see a lot is, well, of course your ratings are good. There's no other news talk in the city. Well, first of all, there's those dirt bags over at NPR, which defund. Uh, and That's so, right. And when we talk about our ratings, we're not talking about other media news talk stations. We're talking about competing against JJK and Q95 and Smiley like in that. the Morning Show and all that that I absolutely loathed listening I, to. I like I Smiley. I, I, I worked over there for a long time, man. <laughs> I know. And I, Ten you were years, one of the ones <laughs> you were the I was one probably the, the guy you hated the to. most when I worked over there, Tony. Why is that guy launching a hot dog into the air with the balloon? Which I'm wondering if it was shot down at this point when we did wieners to heaven and we tied hot dogs to big balloons yeah that'll and ground it up in all the, the flights in the eastern region now that's that's an f-22 missile worthy right there wieners to heaven was an actual thing um speaking of things in the heavens don't look now but kim jong-un's sister that awful witch is warning that she's going to turn the heavens upside down if the united states doesn't stop practicing military exercises with its allies. One out of every 253 North Korean missiles actually makes it off of the ground. Uh, considering that nine-tenths of their population is starving and eight-tenths of their population are addicted to opium and or heroin, uh, I'm not really sure how seriously I'm taking threats from the North Koreans. Seoul is just looking, looking for the opportunity to march north. So, all right. Now, I will say this. I think I'm a little bit more scared of communist Karen than I am fat boy. Oh, yeah. Because she seems like she's more sinister. She's more evil. He's just interested in telling people he invented the hamburger. He's a fat nerd that wants to be liked by the American West. That's Like true. if Dennis Rodman were to come over with a stack of autographed Bulls jerseys, Kim Jong-un would not be found for a while. Dude, I would love to see Kim Jong-un in like a Bulls jersey. Nothing else. Just just Bulls jersey trotting Super around. Super tight, <laughs> like no room to breathe. Like you can see the rolls all up in his body. But it feels like this is kind of a FOMO 
moment for North Korea, fear of missing out. Right. They see Russia and China kind of sticking it to the United States and talking trash and, you know, doing all these things. They want to remind everybody, we're crazy too. See, that's I heard this someone talk about this in regards to Iran, uh, that they're really worried that, um, uh, there was a joke that Iran was worried that Russia, China, the United States, and Europe were going to go to war. And while they were doing that, Israel was just going to wipe Iran off the face of the earth. Um, and in, in North Korea's case, they're worried we're all going to go to war. And while everyone else is looking, South Korea is just going to finish off North Korea like permanently. And uh, I, I think that's really funny. It's like, no, wait, we're just as important. <laughs> don't don't hurt our failing governments. Uh, today is Mardi Gras Fat Tuesday. Mm. This is the day where everybody gets out all of their debauchery before we turn the calendar and go all in on Ash Wednesday and Lent coming up. Now, this may surprise everybody in this room. When you think about me and the things that I enjoy and the things that I like to do, I've never been a big Mardi Gras guy because I'm the kind of guy that likes to drink and look at boobs every day, 365 days a year. I don't need one specific day where that's the goal, right? The real degenerates like I, we do it all year round. It's a lifestyle. So for those of you who are getting it out of your system today, here at the Hammer and Nigel Show, we salute you. I just want to see how your breasts are holding up. I haven't seen them since Mardi Gras. It's jambalaya. It's a new recipe. Well, laissez les bon temps brûler. Translation, let the good times roll. (laughs) Good times. I didn't drink. I was kissing a boy who was drunk. She didn't even know her top was off. This is awesome. Where's the beer? Okay, clearly most of it's in your system. It's that kind of party. Some good times. It's time to get... A topless woman. So let's party. She was topless. I need to drink beer. I'm going to run to the back, get some beads. Allison, get ready. Hammer and Nigel show. We're coming back. (laughs) Gosh. If you were watching us on the live stream, we had to start a new one. I don't know what happened. It's all Matt Bear's fault, guys. It's either Matt Bear or Allison's fault. I haven't quite figured it out yet. Somebody made a mistake here. And I'm not going to blame myself. screwed up the internet traffic. (laughs) Ah, Come on, man. 49 at the American Standard Heating Weather Center at 93 WIBC. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Coming up after 4 o'clock, Pete Buttigieg says he'll get to East Palestine Eventually. Oh, eventually. I'm so glad he could take a moment from chest feeding (laughs) to bring us this statement. He's the transportation secretary, and yet when the largest ecological disaster related to transportation has occurred in this country in decades... He'll get to it eventually. Ah, good. I'm glad that he'll be able to resolve this one just as he almost, sort of, quite, almost a little bit resolved the supply chain crisis. <laughs> That's coming up a little bit after 4 o'clock. Tony Kennett's filling in for Big Nige. And we have an update on the royal family. Now, it's tradition on this show that we show respect to a longtime ally of the United States. A lot of people despite what we say, actually care about the royal family. Mm. So what we're going to do is we're going to set the mood here with some music that's very prestigious, something that really shows that we care about our allies across the pond. Or we could play the Benny Hill theme song, Yakety Sax, which works just fine for me. So Meghan Markle, she is upset... At the creators of South Park. 
Comedy Central show because they made fun of Meghan Markle and Prince Harry on last week's episode. The genesis of it, and I'm getting ready to play it for you, is that these two lunatics have been begging for privacy for the better portion of a year, but they've been doing it with TV interviews, celebrities, and book signing deals. We just want to be normal people. All this attention is so hard. Isn't it true, sir, that your questionable wife has her own TV show and hangs out with celebrities and does fashion magazines? What are you suggesting? Well, I just think some people might say that your Instagram-loving bitch wife actually doesn't want her privacy. <laughs> How dare you, sir? My Instagram-loving bitch wife has always wanted her privacy. <laughs> go find some quiet place where we can be normal people. Come on, wife. We want privacy. We, we want privacy. We want privacy. So now she's so upset that that's how she was portrayed on South Park. They're contemplating filing a defamation lawsuit. Oh, you mean the the kind of a lawsuit that it's so easily to win when you can just simply say, well, that's the truth, Your Honor, and then the whole case is dismissed? And when you're a public figure and you're ripe for parody, which is what South Park does better than anybody, yeah, they can't throw this out of court fast enough. Especially when it is very absolutely 150% true. I, goodness gracious. I, the worldwide privacy tour <laughs> is a comment in the live stream. Very well put. Uh, in addition to Fat Tuesday, today is also National Pancake Day. Amen. So, Tony, Allison, pancakes or waffles? Allison, make the call. Waffles. Tony. I got to say buttermilk pancakes. Oh, I'm the tiebreaker here. Man, I kind of go waffles too, just because the indents like in the waffle, it holds the butter, it holds the syrup. Yep. It's like a little cup for fat guys like me. Equal ratio across the board. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's equity. It's syrup <laughs> equity. That's what you get with waffles, Tony. No, you guys are wrong. And here's why. Let's break it down via the science. You see, waffles cannot contain the same kind of rich buttermilk amazing flavor that pancakes do. It literally it holds it in a cup. Up, where it can soak up the bacon grease in the pan that you've just used to cook a delicious ration of bacon. You don't get that with what you spray your Pam on the waffle iron and you get that wonderful (laughs) chemical taste. God blesses pancakes. That's why it's National Pancake Day. There will be no flapjack slander on this air. Great moments in pancake history. Here's a 911 call from Florida. Michael Police Department up at 508. I've got a problem. Or you guys got one before somebody gets ran over. There's two guys sitting at a table in the middle of the crosswalk in the middle of a green light eating pancakes. That was a little unusual. We do have unusual. He's that one of the guys who's got a mouth full of gold teeth cussing everybody. Great moments in pancake history. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! My name is Jason Hammer. Tony Kennett's pinch hitting for Big Nige today. Former South Bend Mayor, Mayor Pete, media darling. 
Oh, he served in the military. Oh, he's gay. He was gay and the military. Oh. He's a media darling because he used to go on Seth Meyers' show because you don't normally find too many red state mayors who have served in the military and are gay. Doesn't have anything to do with what he accomplished or what he did as mayor. It was all about checking those boxes. I got to check those boxes. So that's how he kind of rose to prominence. And then he decided, screw it. I've got national TV exposure. Now it's my time. I'm going to run for the presidency. And to his credit, won Iowa, had very good showings early on before the fix was inevitably in. And the DNC said, none of you guys are allowed to run anymore. We can't get you across the finish line. Right. We're going to run Biden. We're going to tell everybody that he's this old, friendly grandpa. He's down the middle. He 100% totally has all of his faculties. Nothing to see here. He can beat Trump. And ultimately, that's what happened. But Pete was rewarded for being a good little Democrat, he was given a job as the transportation secretary. And he has just done a smashing job. I mean, he has just done a uh, stupendous job, an explosive job. (laughs) I mean, really, he has gotten things moving almost. Uh, Really, our infrastructure is only crumbling a lot, and uh, we have him to thank for that. Because that's funny, because I thought we spent $1 trillion on infrastructure, Tony, but that's neither here nor there. So Pete Buttigieg, as the transportation secretary, has had one disaster after the other. You could make a case this is the worst diversity hire that's ever happened in the history of this country. Although Corrine Jean-Pierre may have something to say about that argument. Both people incredibly bad at their jobs. And they only got where they had to be because they checked boxes. Certainly wasn't because of all the things they accomplished. No, and, and looking back to Mayor Pete, you know, in charge of South Bend, there, there were never any, like when I drove into South Bend, I was never like, wow, the transportation is such magically better here. I can drive on roads that are 10 times better than, no, no, South Bend sucked just as much as the rest of the roads in the state of Indiana. He had no qualifications, except, like you said, the fact that he was gay, the fact that he served in the military, and that he came from a red state. And uh, also pulled from running for the presidency because his polling numbers with black and Hispanic voters were abysmal. I mean, like, almost in the negative numbers. No one wanted to vote for him in the supposedly great base camps of the Democrats. So I'm looking at him now. I mean, you know, he's kind of getting what he deserved. He's in over his head in this position, and it shows. He did an interview today on Good Morning America where he says he'll get to East Palestine, Ohio, when the time is right. And then he also ah, laid the out time is right. Not now. New not, safety information. Not while those dangerous, stinky clouds are in the air. You know, <laughs> sometimes safe, you know, like three or four decades from now. Here's a little bit more from Pete Buttigieg this morning with George Stephanopoulos on GMA. The administration has come under some fire for its response. The mayor of East Palestine has said it took nearly two weeks for the White House to contact him. There were shouts of where's Pete Buttigieg at a town hall meeting last week. Uh, What's your response to that? When are you going to go to East Palestine? Well, I am planning to go, and uh, our folks were on the ground from the first hours. I do want to stress that the NTSB needs to be able to do its work independently. But when I go, the focus is going to be on action. Look, I was mayor of my hometown for eight years. We dealt with a lot of disasters, natural and human. 
Which disasters? Which disasters? Ah, oh, yeah, you remember the huge smoke explosion in South Bend? Yeah, neither does anyone else. Uh, good. Where does this guy get off saying these kinds of nonsensical whatevers and acting like he's above all of this when there are genuine concerns over both ecology, transportation, still messed up with Norfolk Southern, and... This is the guy who's supposed to be your hard hitter. Companies need to take care of what it is that they've done to Americans and all this stuff. Yet he's been really awkwardly silent in this circumstance. Where's the leadership, Pete? And he says they were there the next day. Who? Who was they? Because at the town hall meeting that they had late last week, the mayor of the city said they had not heard from the White House until the day before. The day before that town hall meeting, which would have meant two full weeks. You know, it costs remarkably little to send an intern. Send an intern with like eight legal pads and just have them write stuff down through the entire disaster. Make it at least look like you're doing something, that you're trying to figure out what's going on, that you're trying to make it look like, especially as someone who wants to run for president, who's going to make his entire spiel that he can unify the red and the blue. All he's showing right now is that he could care less about the blue, or excuse me, about the red states, and he's just letting them suffer amidst his transportation crises. So while Pete Buttigieg is busy ignoring what's happening in East Palestine, you've got Ohio's governor, Mike DeWine. He and the EPA, all of a sudden, it's like in professional wrestling, where two guys that you don't think should probably get along all of a sudden turn heel and they're a tag team. Because that's what I'm seeing here with Mike DeWine and the EPA. Mike DeWine should be ripping the EPA. He should be ripping FEMA. He should be ripping Pete Buttigieg. Instead, he had a photo op today where he goes in front of some folks and volunteered to drink some of the tap water that was coming out of the faucets to show everybody it's safe to drink the water in East Palestine. You remember after uh, the hurricanes in Florida when DeSantis like just put his gloves on and got to work, like actually got to work, and media wanted to come up and do photo ops and interviews, and he literally looked at journalists and said, not now, I'm busy. We have a bridge to fix. Yeah, we're busy. Bridge to fix. I'm busy serving food. I'm trying to work. I'm trying to serve my constituents here. Get out. You know, beat it, kid. Where Where is this? Mike DeWine's, oh, I'm drinking the water. Look at me, awkward sip. And right. I, I, I wanted to bring this up to you because I think you'd have an interesting point. You know that we've gone kind of back and forth on the Trump presidential campaign. You know who is going to visit East Palestine? Trump, you know who's not going to visit East Palestine? Nikki Haley. What an easy, what an easy opportunity for a presidential candidate to just go and say, "I think that this could have been handled better in my presidential, uh, in my presidency. We're going to try to not have events like these or respond to them better when they happen." It's it's such easy softball pitch politics, and it's like we have the klutz kindergartners who can't even swing at the tee. It's incredible. And this photo op was so cringeworthy today. These two guys, you're right, taking these awkward sips of the water, making it look like there's no dead fish here. There are no people with rashes. I don't know what's wrong with you people. Drink the water. It reminded me of that episode of The Simpsons where somebody got sick eating Krusty the Clown cereal, and he went on stage and and he himself ate some of his own cereal. What about that little boy who got appendicitis from eating your cereal? To prove that this is harmless, I will personally eat one. See, there's nothing. God, God, <laughs> yeah! Oh, boy! This thing is shredding my inside! <laughs> That's what that was today. It was Krusty eating the Krusty O's in front of the crowd. And 
Mike DeWine should be ashamed of himself. I mean, also, you don't have, if you really want to communicate, hey, the water's sick, you don't have to do that. No one is really looking, it's like, well, did he drink the water? Some, like, garbage NPR pundit. That's something that they would ask for. Real Ohio citizens just, just want to know that their needs are taken care of. Hammer and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is. This anything? This is how we are going to play Is This Anything? I am going to run a story or two or three by Tony Kennett, who's filling in for Big Nige. He is going to be the one that breaks down all the information and gives you the verdict of whether or not the story is anything or not. We start with this. Facebook is about to pull a Twitter and allow people to pay to be verified just kind of like the twitter blue checkmark service so meta which is the parent company of facebook is now going to make it so if you want to buy verification it will cost you 12 dollars a month if you use like a standard laptop or standard work computer 15 dollars a month if you want that for your smartphone is this anything uh i mean remember when everyone was making fun of elon musk for wanting to provide paid tiers for twitter and everyone thought that's so dumb no one would ever do that and now all of these companies are doing that wow shocker it looks like according to the financial reports a lot of people are paying for it look i have two opinions here as someone who uh whose company pays for for me to have twitter blue so that i can take advantage of the algorithm cool that's fine if you know the heritage foundation wants to partake in giving me a boost on Twitter, that's fine and dandy, uh, but I will not be chucking any of my own personal money into Facebook. I'm certainly not going to be lining Mark Zuckerberg, the lizard's pockets. So if you didn't have a job where you worked in the public eye, whether it's a writer, whether it's a radio host, columnist, whatever... Would you be as active on social media? No, no way. In fact, I've said this before. If I could delete Facebook, I would. If I could delete my Twitter, I would. And I enjoy Twitter. I enjoy the dumpster fire, the chaos, the nonsense, the shenanigans, as it were. Uh, But I really would just delete absolutely all of it and, and go home every day and chop wood. What kind of legacy would Elon Musk have had if he bought Twitter and just blew it up and said, you know what? I'm done with all of you. Oh, I wanted and him to so bad. just unplugged the servers, set the building on fire, had like a Michael Bay style explosion where he's running out of the building and nobody had Twitter. I really wanted him. You remember in uh, Jurassic <laughs> Park when the computer goes, ah, 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 that's not the magic word. I was really hoping he would do that with Twitter, like ah, 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 Twitter shut down forever. And he didn't do that. You know, it's still going. I did love seeing all the social media knockoffs. You know, so there was Mastodon and then there was... I don't know. There's all these other ones. I know Parler was on the right. People are just trying so desperately to steal the market, but Twitter's still Twitter. I, I love seeing Facebook think this is going to be big for them. It's it's not. Allison, you're younger than the Tonus and I. If you did not have a job where you worked with the masses, would you be as active on social media? No, I would have gotten word of my Twitter as well a long time ago. But I mean, that's where you see what's trending and like that's how we get our breaking news truly from social media. It makes our jobs easier because you can find so many different sources mm-hmm. and sound bites and things like that. But take Twitter out of the conversation. What about Instagram, where it's not as nasty as Twitter is? Oh, re- it's Allison, pictures you of your reels? kids and things yeah. like that. My wife and I just live off of sending each other reels, these short videos that can be everything from someone making fun of some goober in China trying to glue two <laughs> drills together uh, to, you know, somewhere over here, someone getting like just slapped right in the nads. It's, it's really hilarious. I mean, it's 
it reminds me of Vine, which is also from Twitter, that six-second video service. I, I love that stuff. And some of the good stuff of social media is around. It's just, you know, far in between all the garbage. So if Facebook and Twitter are the toxic hell holes that we all kind of live in, Instagram's a little lighter. Would you still be on Instagram if you didn't have this job? I would. You know why? Because there's a lot less words on Instagram. <laughs> it's true. You don't get lectures. You could just scroll through, see some puppies. You don't get lectures. People aren't ever angry about cute babies and, you know. But how just... am I going to satiate my desire to just absolutely reach back and slap progressive Indiana journalists if I'm left to Instagram? How, how am I going to satiate that desire? But it's the tree that falls in the forest, right? If there are no platforms for them to share their ridiculous crap. Then do they still have pronouns? Yes, I'm aware of that axiom. It's a classic. <laughs> Is this anything? Four people were injured after a decorative helicopter fell from the ceiling and into a pool at a water park in New Jersey. This was DreamWorks Water Park in Jersey, and they had this big helicopter that was like a decoration, but it snapped, the strings broke or whatever it was, and it fell down into the pool. Here are some people talking about what they saw. We hear this big bang. It sounded like a bomb. We were just both coming out from like a slide and like running. And we were just like super shocked. We heard people screaming and it was like the scariest thing. All the lifeguards and security people were telling everyone to leave. Everyone was crying, shocked. And like everyone was trying to run out, trying to leave because they didn't know what was happening. This anything? Uh, I'm shocked there aren't more accidents like this uh, often, honestly. Have you guys seen how shoddily county fair amusement things are like put together? Oh, yeah. Like you get on the zipper, which is a horrible move, and you climb up and you're like, hey, wait a minute, that one pole's not connected to the ground. And you're like trying to get off of it as instantly as possible. Seriously, the way these amusement parks and, you know, county fairs and other things are put together, it is amazing that more of these accidents, these horrific, terrible things aren't happening more often. I mean, these things are put together with like urinal cakes and duct tape. It's horrible. But I think there's a difference between your local county fair where the rides are put together by a few contractors and some carnies as the opposed to a big place like this or take like Great Wolf Lodge down by Mason, Ohio, right. right there by Kings Island. I mean, this isn't some little place that's put together half-assed. This is a major tourist resort, but imagine if one of those things at the top tipped over, like if a water slide broke and fell into the water. I've kind of wondered while walking through the National Air and Space Museum what it would be like if one of those things had fallen before. It's just one of the thoughts that pops in your head while you're like, man, I'm really hoping that this doesn't, you know, like when you're walking over the metal grates, like downtown, you're like, man, I hope this is like secure and I'm not just going to fall in. I mean, it's just- I swear to God, I thought I was the only person that did that. Allison, you walk across the grades and feel like you're going to fall in sometime? I also, and I'm also, if I'm wearing a dress or a skirt, I, I will not walk over them because I'm afraid someone's like looking up. Oh, the oh, I thought I was gonna, she was going to talk about the Marilyn Monroe right, thing. Right, I thought we were going to get a Marilyn no, Monroe no, effect. There's no, some golem in the sewers of Indy going, I wonder no. what skirts I'll see today. <laughs> the lizard people are down there yes. with their snowblowers. Mark Zuckerberg. Why risk it? This is what you get if you pay for Facebook meta. You get to sit in the undergrates of the sewers. Is this a Anything. The University of Florida has broken the Guinness World Record for most fist bumps by a mascot in three minutes. So the Florida Gator gave 340 fist bumps for the record. I saw that we were breaking a world record, and I think that's pretty cool. I got in the event in, like, the craziest story. I actually won a social media sweepstakes with one of my closest friends to make it in here. I'm an exchange student, and I find it so interesting to see how the life is going here at UF. I'm so proud of you, Gator. 
that anything? Uh, I, I just want to take the person who's in charge of deciding what gets to be a record at the Guinness Book of World Records, and I want to set the record for slapping that guy in the face. <laughs> like, there's a guy whose job it is to go, hmm, I wonder how many cotton balls you could shove into a midget's ear. And like, that, <laughs> like that's his job. But come up with a new record today, Stan. Why? Who, why are we paying him to do this? It's such a stupid waste of everyone's time. Knowing what I know about SEC schools, I promise you, <laughs> there will be another mascot that will try to beat that record, and this will go on and on. Like, I'm waiting for Smokey from Tennessee uh, to try to break that record just because that's how competitive they this are in the some, SEC. This is the kind of contest that should be like a joke that's made in like the frat house of an American Pie movie. Not an actual <laughs> Guinness World Record. Something like, I'm so glad to be in this country. Like, what? Why? Are you serious? That's what we're excited about right now? Okay. I, great. So that's something, nothing? That's something frustrating. That's something that really grinds my gears. <laughs> Thank you, Peter Griffin. It's the hammer. And- Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIPC. Fat Tuesday. Hopefully you're having a good time today. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is out. Tony Kennett from the Daily Signal filling in today. And let's go to the drivecubeboard.com hotline and bring on someone who's decided they're going to run to be the mayor of Zionsville. It's a familiar name, John Stair, a longtime news anchor here in Indianapolis. Mr. Stair, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys today? Man, we're doing good. So why? Why would you decide to put yourself out there and go through this? Why would you want to have all these people sending mean tweets and bashing you? Why would you put yourself through this, John? Well, you know, I was in broadcasting for a lot of years. I'm used to people sending mean tweets and bashing me, so that's not really a problem. I think that, uh, you know, the town needs a little bit of a change in direction here. I think we need a little bit of help. And, uh, you know, I think I'm the person that can do it. Now, I'm going to admit, I don't live in Zionsville, but it's my understanding that part of the criteria to be the mayor is you have to go on social media posts and call people the F word. Is that correct? Well, I think that's going to change uh, when I'm oh, disappointing. Uh, I know we're not going to be any we're not going to be any fun like that. Um, but I'll tell you this: I do understand, you know, from my years in broadcasting, that there is no such thing as personal time. There is no such thing as a personal Facebook page. You know, you're the face of the franchise twenty four seven, and it doesn't matter if you're here or if you're a thousand miles away. You know, the way you behave is still going to reflect back on the organization you represent. And in this case, the town of Zionsville. So. I will not be uh, doing things on Facebook that are going to bring disrepute to my town. Sounds like you're taking this seriously. Tell me, what kind of uh, serious things are you going to be bringing to the town of Zionsville? Well, you know, I I have it all put together in one package. I call it Zionsville 2040. 
And the idea is to think about what kind of town we want in the year 2040, which, by the way, isn't that far away, and come up with some goals that we can reach for. Because to me, the goals are more important than the roads you take to get there. So if we can have goals out there that we can mutually agree upon, then we can go back and do the hard work of trying to make progress toward them. So things like, you know, public safety and growth and development and and I think Zionsville could use a, a marketing makeover, too. I, I don't know that our image is exactly what we want it to be right now. So I think that we can change the narrative around the town and you know get us back to the level where I think we need to be. John, how important is relationship building when you're trying to become the mayor? Because we've heard some stories recently from Zionsville. There's a big disconnect between the city council and the current mayor. There's questions about some spending of funds where the council doesn't like one thing, the mayor likes another. How important is it to have everybody on the same page? Well, I think you should have everybody looking for the same goals. Getting on the same page can come later. And you're right. There is a major disconnect here. There has been a major breakdown in communications. And if you don't talk to one another, it's hard to build trust. And if you don't trust, it's hard to work together. So uh, I believe that that's what I bring to it more than anything else is that background in communications. I understand the importance of it. I understand how to implement it. And I think it's just a matter of getting people. You know, we may disagree, but I think we all want the same outcome for the town. We're speaking with John Stair, a longtime news anchor here in Indianapolis, running to be the mayor of Zionsville. What's been the response so far that you've gotten from people? The response has been great. I think people are really looking for a change here. They're looking for the temperature to be lowered. You know, I think I think for local government, what we want to do is make it less political rather than more political and just get down to the business of giving people if they pay a dollar in taxes, they should get a dollar's worth of service from the town. So we need to provide those basic services, and we need to plan for the future, too. So there are two different jobs involved here, but I think they're both equally important, and they're both equally non-political. So, John, one of the questions that I have, and this is this is uh, coming from someone who actually used to watch you getting, uh, uh, you know, home from school in the evening. It's just kind of weird. I'm just saying. I'm talking. I someone I grew up. You're you know, fanboying watching. right now. I am. I I used to watch WTHR when I got home from school after Shenandoah. I just I did. I don't know. I guess I was a weird kid like that. Uh, well, I appreciate it. Oh, thanks. So one of the questions I have is that, you know, the, the common criticism is that, you know, a lot of years in broadcasting may not make you, I guess, qualified to be the mayors of, of Zionsville, as, as though, I guess, other things uh, supposedly do prepare you for being a mayor. How would you respond to that as your qualifications for being mayor of Zionsville? Uh, I would. I can't disagree more. I think that, you know, in my time in broadcasting, I've watched all sorts of local governments, good ones and bad ones. And I've seen the ones that work and the ones that don't. And the ones that work are the ones where there's good communication from top to bottom, where you say what you're going to do, and then you go ahead and do what you say, and then all of a sudden you start building up trust over time. Um, I, I do think that that is a key component to it. That's where it all starts, and everything kind of goes from there. So, yes, I, I think that, that broadcasting is the perfect uh, career to, uh, to lead you into something like this because it's a matter of communicating the goals, and then going out and, you know, charting the course to the goals and keeping a positive message and keeping, you know, keeping it moving in a positive, constructive way. Not to mention being used to being held accountable by those who are watching you every single day. Every single day. You're only as good as your last newscast. As you guys know, you're only as good as your last show. 
And I think that, you know, as a mayor, you're only as good as your last day in office. You know, you need to constantly be striving to be better and, and work for the people who elected you. Is this um, something, John, I'm sorry, didn't mean to cut you off yeah. right there. Is this okay. something you'd been thinking about for a while or did the actions of the current mayor kind of force you into a position to where you're saying to yourself, OK, this is ridiculous. I'm getting in. I'm doing this thing myself. I think it's maybe a little bit of both. Um, <laughs> That's fair. Excuse me. Since I retired, I, I've been the president of the parks board here in Zionsville. So I've been on the parks board and I became the president. So I kind of have a unique view into how our town government is functioning. And uh, I think that that's what led me to start thinking, you know, people are not communicating with one another. And and, unless that changes, we're just going to be stuck in the mud. And we are stuck in the mud right now. I think there's going to be some cleanup to do, going to get some of that mud off us, and then we're going to have to move forward in a more positive way. Once we start communicating, once we start, you know, coalescing behind the message and reaching toward goals that are going to be good for everybody in town. Well, John, if anybody has any questions about uh, who you are, what you want to do to Zionsville, what you represent, where can they go? JohnStairForMayor.com. Uh, that's a place to start. And I have some links there to my Zionsville 2040 uh, platform. And, you know, there's an email link there. If anybody reaches out to me, I'll reach back and, uh, and answer any questions that they that they want to ask. You know, you've heard in sports, right, that availability is the best ability. Right. Yeah. I think that that's I think that's important in leadership, too, particularly in local leadership. You have to be accessible to people. You have to answer questions, even if the answer is. I don't know, or I can't help you, at least that's an answer. Ignoring the questions and stonewalling people is never an answer. So I think that, uh, you know, I'd like to be as accessible as I can be. And, you know, every day, if I, if I win this election and I get this job, I'm going to be thinking about the people who elected me every single day, not about my fellow politicians. Ooh, that's a, you know, people calling me a politician. That's a, People do that. But I think that I I would plan to think about the people of Zionsville every single day and in everything that I do. Do you miss broadcasting at all? Because I went through a period where I was in between radio jobs and I was working at a casino. And that's like my second Uh passion. That's my second love. I loved it. But I still missed going on the air and, you know, doing my thing. Do you still miss it? Do you miss going on the air? I was in broadcasting for 42 years. I think I've gotten all of it out of my system. (laughs) (laughs) And as as you know, as you know, what you do on the air is, what, 10% of it, 20% of it? I mean, it's all the prep that goes into it. And I I don't miss that. You know, I I like thinking about other things and, you know, trying to have a little more broad view of the world instead of just, you know, what I'm focused on today. I don't miss watching the clock and the deadlines and all that. You know, it's kind of nice to – my mind is free. Right, right. Well, John, we appreciate you taking the time to join us. John Stair, uh, running for mayor of Zionsville. John, thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And, hey, I, l- let me come back and talk again after I get the job and we can talk about all the great things happening in Zionsville. How about that? Sounds like a deal, man. We appreciate that. Thank you. All right. It's the thank Hammer you. and Nigel Bye. Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey fam. 
I'm asking for your support. Help us raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food so they can focus on helping their child live. By pledging just $19 a month, you're helping St. Jude give every child with cancer a chance. Help St. Jude save lives. Call 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 and become a partner in hope today. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Fat Tuesday. Or as Rosie O'Donnell calls it, Tuesday. Here at the Hammer and Nigel Show. I can make that joke because I'm fat, right? Those are the rules. That Those are the society rules. If you are what you're making fun of, it's allowed. Is that correct? Sure. Yeah. I went on keto today because I'm, I've am i picked up too, a few too many pounds in the last couple of months. So I agree. I will also join you on the uh, fat mocking fat train. So Tony Kennett's in for Nigel today. Tony, where are we at with Project Veritas's board telling James O'Keefe to kick rocks. So, uh, according to a statement from the Project Veritas board, they removed James O'Keefe because he was going to conferences and he was spending money on uh, expensive Uber rides and uh, other small frivolities. It amounts to about $60,000. And they said with the way that he was spending money, with the way that it was unnecessary, it threatened their nonprofit status. A lot of people are crying foul. James uh, himself has said there are some other shenanigans at play here. At the moment, what it looks like and the reason I preface that is that we don't know all of the info yet we have to know all of the info that's a big part of any story is waiting for the information that is very true in this case though from what we can see so far I believe that Project Veritas is, is uh, they've kind of killed their cash cow. They've gone out on a limb and uh, they've made a bigger deal over something that probably could have been resolved more privately from what it looks like right now it looks like they've, they've kind of screwed themselves here is Project Veritas, six to eight months from now, going to be like drudge to where at one point you were viewed pretty highly, but then something changed? I don't know if somebody bought you out, made some changes, put some money in or whatever, but you became an afterthought afterwards. Now, you remember I used to work for a, a certain education organization. In fact, I, I founded a certain education organization. Can I name it? Uh, you, you sure can. Chalkboard Review. Yeah. And uh, we built this organization over the last uh, two years um, and raised it to receiving, in August, it had 558,000 monthly readers in, in the month of August of 2022. Since then, the organization has changed hands. And I've gone to work for Heritage. And uh, now, according to results in December, now the site is down to less than 5,000 views a month. Similar web won't even track it. They won't even track the statistics. How did the breakup between you and Chalkboard Review go down? Can you talk about it? I can't go into details and specifics, uh, but I can just say that there were some uh, different ideas of how the organization should go forward. I thought that the organization should... Uh, lean into uh, reporting education uh, information that parents found important and that we would continue to publish education op-eds from the left, right, and center. The powers that uh, took Chalkboard Review did not think so. So again, for those who don't have business savvy you know, backgrounds here, how do you go from being the guy that founded this, Mr. Chalkboard Review, to having your voice being drowned out? Well, uh, I continued to work for the organization after Chalkboard Review. Uh, after we sold the assets, uh, 
we thought we had sold the assets over to the organization to clarify there's some legal questions in there that I'm not going to get into on the air. Sure. Uh, but after doing so, uh, again, the organization just started moving things in a, in a different direction. And after a while, it, it came to a point where uh, I no longer agreed with the direction that it was heading. And so um, now I am with the, the Daily Signal and the Heritage Foundation. And uh, I really, really like where the organization is going. We actually get to report on things that parents care about. In your current role with Daily Signal and Heritage, which is same ownership, correct? Yes, same company. Mm -hmm. Has anybody told you, hey, we don't want you talking about this, or it might be a good idea for you to kind of let this fire burn out before you touch it? Uh, No, in this case, I'm actually allowed to chase stories and uh, represent parents in situations uh, that I find necessary. And uh, when that happens, uh, perverts get fired uh, from schools like (laughs) Hamilton Southeastern. So, uh, you know, when these kind of things are are brought to, to bear and I'm actually allowed to do my job, it's amazing what can happen. You have to just gloss and make that your your Twitter bio. I fire perverts. <laughs> that is true. You know, I, there are multiple teachers that are no longer in positions they shouldn't have after I, you know, bring a few things to light. Little transparency is good for everyone. And again, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Guy Relford writes legislation was a big part of why constitutional carry is the law here. You, Tony Kennett, because of the things you investigate, our kids are safer in school and some of these perverts are no longer there. I love the guests that we bring in on this show every single week. So thank you for doing what you do. Oh, it's a genuine pleasure. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! It is the Hammer and Nigel show. Sometimes it's the Hammer or Nigel show. Oof. A lot of times it's just Hammer and friends, and that's what we've got today. I'm Jason Hammer. Producer Allison is here. We got Matt Bear in the traffic center. Harrison New Harrison Newscox. Harrison Silcox <laughs> has got the news. Like if we had a merch store, that's what I want his shirt to say. Tony Kennett's filling in for Big Nige today. Um, all right. So Tucker Carlson has been gifted the Capitol security footage from January 6th. You've got the House Speaker Kevin McCarthy coming out and saying he's given Tucker Carlson, Fox News host, has the number one rated show in all of cable news. He's given him a lot of footage, stuff you didn't see in the January 6th committee to look over. He's had it for a week. He and his producers are looking over it again this week. And they say next week, maybe just maybe they'll have some thoughts on the stuff the public did not see. So Tony Kennett, am I a horrible person because this does not move the needle for me. Because I have such little thoughts of value of the original January 6th committee with all your favorite TV pals, you know, like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. That thing was such a joke and such a scam, the way that they conducted it, the fact they didn't let Jim Banks or Jim Jordan come on the committee to offer some sort of pushback. The whole thing was a joke. So there's nothing Tucker Carlson's going to find. If Tucker Carlson finds a video of a guy going, hi, my name is Ray Epps. I'm a plant. I'm here from the Democrats. I still wouldn't be surprised. So this whole thing is a nothing burger for me. 
I mean, for me, I, I first of all, I don't think you're off your rocker at all. I, there are two parts to this for me. Number one is I don't care. I'm so tired of hearing the words January 6th over and over. Quit trying to make it a holiday. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris uh, compared it to Pearl Harbor, which, uh, first of all, do we have the clip of Kamala actually saying that January 6th reminded her of Pearl Harbor? Certain dates echo throughout history, including dates that instantly remind all who have lived through them oh. where they were and what they were doing oh, so brave. when our democracy came under assault. Dates that occupy not only a place on our calendars, oh. but a place in our collective memory. Oh, come on with oh. it. December 7th, 1941. September 11th, 2001, and January 6th, 2021. Yeah, I'm sure all of those things, if you ask the family of the victims, are the same. Oh, yeah. Remember when, uh, I I can't even get over the fact that she compared January 6th to Pearl Harbor. It it reminds me of an animal house when Bluto uh, says that the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor. Nothing is over until we decide it is. (laughs) Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! German. Forget it, he's rolling. <laughs> By the way, I made that <laughs> reference yesterday on the show, and clearly not everybody has seen Animal House. Oh, you have to see Animal House. Somebody tried to get back at me. Did you have a Biden moment? Did you really just say the Germans bomb Pearl Harbor? And I'm like, dude, come on. That's a that's a quote tale as old as time right there. And right. also, to be very clear, that delivery was better and more inspiring than Kamala Harris delivering each line in Obama's very hesitant tone. I mean, good heavens. I mean, that, that doesn't inspire me or, or, or give, you know, hollowed you know, respect for a deep and terrible moment. It's, it's pathetic. Some people stood inside ropes at Statutory Hall and acted like idiots. Okay. I, I'm just so tired of it. And the, the other half, I, I told you there were two ways I felt about this. I get such a blissful heroin style, just joy euphoria watching Democrats freak out that Tucker Carlson got access to these tapes. It is such trolling by the Speaker of the House to give them to Tucker Carlson. And I, I mean, guys, I've got to tell you, the dumpster fire of watching them flip out is worth its weight in gold. Were these same people upset when CNN beat the feds to uh, Mar-a-Lago when there was a raid going on? When, like, Roger Stone was taken into custody and the news trucks beat the feds? Were they upset about that at all? Because clearly they were tipped off. No. But again... I'm all for crapping all over Kenzinger and Liz Cheney and the people on this committee. Sure. But there's nothing Tucker's going to find that's going to shock me. No. And honestly, there are so many more important things in this country right now, from the border to the fentanyl issue to what's happening with, you know, in Ohio with the horrific toxic disaster that they've had, the economy, what we're doing with Chinese balloons. I could go down a long list of things that interest me more than January 6th. Now, I think Tony Katz may disagree, and he's going to join us on the phone coming up at 5.30, and we'll go back and forth on that. But again, I have such little regard for the original January 6th committee. There's nothing Tucker's going to find on the other side that's going to make me go, wow, I have really changed my mind here. The first thing was a scam. We all know it. We watched it. It's ridiculous. It's all the Democrats had. To quote a UN representative uh, who was commenting on the Eastern European, the Eastern European crises of the 90s, it makes for good TV. 
And that's uh, that's just really where we are. I mean, there's not really any implications. It's just going to be some darn good TV. This is Tucker Carlson last night talking about getting access to all the video. So for really more than two years now, we've been complaining about, and we think it's justified, the fact that the U.S. Congress has held thousands, tens of thousands of hours of closed-circuit camera footage from the public. They have not released any of it. Um, from January 6th. And January 6th, of course, is a transformative event in this country. It's been used to change the country. So there are about 44,000 hours. Uh, and we have, you may have read this today, been granted access to that. And we believe that access is unfettered. We believe we have secured the right to see whatever we want to see. Um, so we've been there about a week. Our producers, some of our smartest producers, have been there. Uh, looking at this stuff and trying to figure out what it means and how it contradicts or not the story that we've been told for more than two years. We think already that in some ways it does contradict that story. And so we're going to spend the rest of this week taking a look at it, assessing it as honestly as we can, and we're going to bring you what we find next week. There's no doubt that it contradicts the story. I have no doubt about that at all. Does it interest me? Eh. I do not envy being those producers at all. I went, so I, I uh, was given some evidence by a, a parent uh, concerning just a lot of media to look through. And there's part of you that's like, ah, oh, I have access to this. I can search through it. And the other part of you goes, oh, I'm going to have to spend like so many hours going through each and every part of this and having to link it up to what's true and what's not. And I do not envy being one of those people that has to sort through all of that garbage. Ugh. Meanwhile, over at CNN, we have an update on Don Lemon. This has been our favorite soap opera lately, so if we're going to do this, let's do it right. Like sand through an hourglass, so are the days of our Don. These are the days of our Don. Don Lemon, as Tucker calls him. He was not on camera today, but he will be back on Wednesday because he's received, quote, formal training. Oh! (laughs) Formal training? This was in the aftermath of saying that Nikki Haley's not in her prime and pretty much women after the age of 30 not in their prime anymore. So wait a minute, wait a minute. So Leonardo DiCaprio only dates women who are like 19. The entire country loses their mind is like, this guy needs to be banned from everything forever. But Don Lemon gets up and says, yeah, women after 30 are useless. (laughs) And and he gets he gets training. (laughs) What's the train? Okay, you got to help me out here. What does that training look like? Tell me what that looked like. Well, the memo, as reported by CNN Business, did not specify what the training would entail, although they did add that it was important for him that the network balance accountability with fostering a culture in which people can own, learn, and grow from their mistakes. Okay, I'm picturing from uh, like the sitcoms and cartoons where they like strap the guy into the chair in front of the screen <laughs> and they have like electrodes on him and then they just like start showing him pictures of women. And it like shows like Betty White, and he's like ew, and then it buzzes him, and then it like shows him, it shows him like some other almost you know, like lady the guy at the beginning 30. of Ghostbusters, yeah, almost the ESP oh, no, test. Sorry about that. 
that that's the training. Like, how many mistakes has old Don Lamont made? He's not learning from anything. He clearly wants out. Now, there was chatter that they wanted him to resign, but Don doesn't want to resign. He wants to be fired, so that way he can go out in a blaze of glory and then get his job at the Atlantic or some other liberal rag that he'll ultimately end up at. I mean, I, I just look at these kind of things, and the, the, it really needs to be said yet again, the double standards that are at play. Mitt Romney lost the election because he supposedly had binders full of women, and yet he gets, you know, Don Lemon gets up here and says this nonsense, and he just gets a training. Okay. So, real quick, before we hit traffic, Nikki Haley is now fundraising off of this. She announced her presidential run. She is selling beer koozies that say on the front side, past my prime, with a question mark, and on the back side, hold my beer. Oh, that's clever. That is pretty good. That's a pretty good fundraiser right there. There's a millennial that came Striking up with that. Striking while the good iron's work. hot. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Fire away! Oh, I'm oh, so into this. Well played, Allison. Well played. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. We have not done this bit in a while, but I feel like it's a fan favorite. It's right up there with fun facts for kids. How have you injured your crotch? Now, the way this works is we will take a phone call. The caller that's on the line will be quick, will be very brief, but they will explain how they injured their crotch. So, Chuck, Chuck in Indianapolis, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. Did we lose Chuck? Maybe he injured his crotch with his phone. Let's go to Doug. Doug is in Noblesville. Doug, how have you injured your crotch? No, I'm assuming it does not have to be self-inflicted. No, no. Anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, this is my ex-wife, and I want to make that point. It's an ex-wife. Okay. We were at the, she worked at a club bar, in a, or a bar in Novasville, and um, I got tired of hanging out there, so I decided to go to another bar. And I was there, had my back up to the bar. There was two beautiful women on each side of me facing the bar. I was actually facing the other direction. Had nothing to do with them, didn't speak to them. My ex-wife, she got off work. She came in the bar, seen me sitting between these two gorgeous women, and proceeded to make a big scene. So I decided, well, I'm just going to go home. So I left about 3 o'clock in the morning. Doug, we got to get to the crotch injury. We're taking too long here. How did you do your crotch, Doug? Okay, well, she came home while I was dead asleep, grabbed me by my satchel. Oh! Dragged, dragged me clear out the end of the bed. I actually had to do a crab crawl and push her. Oh! Oh, yeah. And, oh, it was probably two weeks later, it was still, everything down there was red and sore and 
Sure, uh, like a crab. Yeah, I noticed I had like a white head down there. And I thought, what the heck's that? And I squeezed it, and oh my! The only way to describe it, if you had a 32-ounce bottle of mayonnaise in a plastic jar. Oh, oh no, okay. no, 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 no! Oh, Thank pain. you, Doug. Let me go to Robert. Robert, again, the rules are simple. Briefly, tell us how have you injured your crotch? Fast pitch softball, playing third base. Took a line drive to the body. Ooh. The only thing I'm going to say is, thankfully, it only hit the tip. <laughs> hey, did you catch the ball, though? Did you get the out? I picked it up and threw the SOB out. Yeah! yeah let's go! USA! USA! That's what I'm talking about, Robert. And uh- after that, <laughs> I always wore a cup. <laughs> Love it. Alan, you are next up. Alan, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. How have you injured your crotch? Hey, Hammer, this is great to be on with you guys, so I hope you're not too squeamish. Oh, when no. I was 12 years old, climbing trees with some friends, had a very high branch break, and on the way down did not realize I was injured until I hit the ground and I had a branch puncturing the sack. Oh, like even Absolutely. Allison is in pain over here, and she doesn't even have that stuff. Wow. Uh, 84 stitches later. 84, 84 stitches? 84 stitches. Everything was reattached, and I am now four kids deep and 50 years old. And no harm done. All right. It's a success story. That's, that is a rally if I've ever heard one. Right. And like Absolutely. for the rest of his life, like anytime somebody like complains about something, oh, you're complaining? Well, did I ever tell you about the time I had to get 84 stitches in... Well, you know the rest. Well, let me go to Craig. Craig, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. How have you injured your crotch? Well, I witnessed this. I hope that qualifies, but it's such a good story I have to tell it. Well, there was a Volkswagen that was pulling a sled or toboggan around the block. And on the back attached to the toboggan was a saucer. And this gentleman, kid, they were running around the corners. And we made the turn, and he accidentally went and got one leg into the sewer and hit it. Ooh. And I, they took him to the hospital. Ooh. Oh, the man got done in by the it clown in the sewers. Yes. Ouch. <laughs> oh, that's, that doesn't feel good at all. Now, this next call is from a lady. Haley, Haley, welcome to the Hammer and hey, Nigel man. Show. How are you? Doing good. Really quick and simple. So, Spice Girls concert, Verizon Wireless. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, sitting in the pavilion with the little foldy chairs. Uh huh. Okay, we're sitting on. I'm standing on the chair because, like, I'm young and I can't see over the crowd. I step back. And the chair folds, and I V right into it. Oh, slam your body down and zig a zig. Wow. Like, I got to be honest, I didn't have Spice Girls crotch injury on my bingo card when I woke up today. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's a shame. That's a way to start your bingo card. Wow, Haley, thank you. Scott, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. You get the last word here. How have you injured your crotch? Well, have you ever pulled a sock out of your drawer that's rolled up and you sling it down to kind of unfold it? No, well, I, you, I can't say I've done I know that. what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, if you sling it down in the right position and it doesn't <laughs> kind of come unfolded and wham. Oh. <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't fun. It's one of the things you only do one time. Right. Wow. And it happens like and it's so fast. And then you're like a little bit embarrassed, but you're a little bit in pain. But I think you're more embarrassed that it happened. Yeah. Like I said, it only happens one time. I would never do it again. I always hold it out to the right side. <laughs> Man has delicately taken his socks out of the drawer, knowing the danger it possesses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's treating them like a very delicate flower moving forward. All right. You got that right. Thank you, Indianapolis you and surrounding areas, for telling us how you have injured your crotch. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Pretty boy, Tony. It's Tuesday with Tony Cass on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, don't want to keep Tony waiting. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Tony Kennett in for Big Nige. And right now, let's go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on Tony Katz Tuesdays with Tony. TK, how are you? I'm all right, man. What's going down? So let's start a little local here. Let's start in our own backyard. There's a bill that passed through the Education Committee at the Indiana State House yesterday by a 9 to 4 vote that would prohibit talking about sexual things to children, grades K through three and i looked at channel 13's website earlier one because i hate myself but number two something caught my eye from wthr.com they're dubbing this indiana's don't say gay bill i want to get your thoughts on all of this uh they're not the only ones doing this the indiana democratic party is lying the aclu of indiana in my view uh is is lying uh it doesn't say don't say gay anywhere it's two pages of legislation and it simply is going to prohibit the instruction of teaching gender fluidity uh, amongst a couple of other things. It doesn't stop conversations from happening. It's saying that you can't engage purposeful instruction on these subjects. The real question is, why does the Indiana Democratic Party want to teach gender fluidity to kindergartners? That's weird. It's weird. They're a weird party, and they're willing to lie about it. And you had all these people at the Statehouse yesterday screaming, we are gay. Nobody asked. <laughs> By the way, um, and, and just as a follow-up, what you think all gay people agree with this legislation? I don't know what makes these Hoosier activists, whether it's the ACLU or the Indiana Democratic Party, think that they speak for all gay Hoosiers. There are plenty of gay Hoosiers, men and women, who are like, you know what? I want to live my life the way I see fit. Children deciding their gender, that's not what I'm down for. That's not what I'm about. And you can't have my letter as part of your sloganeering and your political movement to try and make that okay. But these people are not given any respect whatsoever by the Indiana Democratic Party, by the ACLU, in my view. It's kind of disgusting that somehow if you're gay you or you're a lesbian, this is what you're okay with? That's that isn't true. That isn't factual. And I would love to see more gay Hoosiers standing up for themselves. What blows my mind is, for me, it's not even gay. I don't want sex of any kind. Straight sex, gay sex, robot sex taught to kids this young. We're talking about kindergartners through third graders. We're not talking high school. We're not even doing junior high. When I was in third grade, I was playing on my bike. I had Transformers. I liked baseball cards. At no point did gay sex or straight sex feel like something that would interest me in a classroom, Tony. 
when my kids were younger and we were living in California at the time and they were going to, I, I think they were really kindergarten, first grade at the time before we, before we moved to, to Indiana. Um, we were walking to the school because we got to walk to the school and there was a big, big banner, a huge banner up on the fence around the school. Uh, Say no to drugs week to which uh, my oldest turned to me and said, what are drugs? And this was an incredible moment. Look at what the school was doing. They were going to say no to drugs. But first, you had to explain to your kid what drugs were. And what if there were parents who didn't want to have that conversation just yet? Why was the school forcing this now on uh, the parents? The school does not know what is best at all times. The school does not uh, know what is best for the student at all times. The parent does. A one-size-fits-all from the school is not necessarily the best thing for your specific child. You know what is best, which is why these things should be left up to you. Is every parent great? Absolutely not. Are some parents failing their kids? Absolutely they are. But in this situation, you have the schools that are failing the kids and the parents. If you think it's okay for a kid to determine their gender, I think you're guilty of abuse. If you think that it should be codified that you keep that information from a parent, well, then you shouldn't have a job. This is a great example of why we need to break the teachers' unions. We need to change education completely in the state of Indiana. All money has to follow the student and not the teacher. And we should be clear that there – I should say not the schools, not, not necessarily the teacher. There are great teachers in the state of Indiana, fantastic teachers. I am very thrilled with, with the teachers that my kids have. Uh, but that isn't true everywhere. It isn't true of everyone. And if we're going to engage safety and security – of students, we have to put an end to the people who really think they should be dictating to uh, kids at, at, at this age. It's weird. These are people, I mean, some people want to call them groomers. I leave that uh, to others. I simply say it's weird that you want to teach this to kids at kindergarten, in the kindergarten level. You're weird people, and we should fight you on these subjects, and I'm so glad to see people are. Tuesdays with Tony. Tony Katz with us here on the Hammer and Nigel show. I was listening to your program earlier and you had mentioned that Tucker Carlson had received, uh, his staff had received a basically green light to look through all of the January 6th video that Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans have at their arsenal here. We mentioned this earlier. I want to get your thoughts here because I I don't know if I'm all in on this. I didn't care about the January 6th committee before. I really don't know if I care about what Tucker Carlson finds in his. It doesn't move the needle for me. Am I the lone ranger here, Tony? Yes. Uh, and and what I think you might be alone on is the idea that it doesn't move the needle. It doesn't move the needle for me. Like, whatever I found out from that January 6th committee wasn't going to change who I voted for. Same thing with whatever Tucker Carlson finds. I, it's not going to change. I'm not going to find this come-to-Jesus moment. Oh, my God, I have been wrong the whole time. I need to change everything that I'm doing. I think Liz Cheney and Ken Zinger's committee was a complete joke, and and there's nothing Tucker can show me that's going to make me say that it's an even bigger joke than I thought. I had so low expectations for the original January 6th committee hearings. I don't think there's anything Tucker can show me that's going to make me say, yeah, I already thought that this whole thing was a scam. I think what's important here is not what they showed you, but what they didn't. 
What is it that the January 6th committee chose not to show you? What video that would exonerate person X or make you question conversation or action Y did they not show you in this made-for-television event they created in night after night of coverage? That's why it's so important. Is there video coverage or video surveillance of Ray Epps and his trying to gin people up to engage a riot? Were there nine other people trying to do the same? Could you see those videos and make a claim that the person that they're charging for crime X isn't actually guilty? It's this person over here. I don't condone the riots. There are some people who are going to go to jail for what they did. I, I understand this all too well. But this committee was made for TV. This committee was made to lie. This committee was made to not cover the totality. So I like the idea that we have the totality. Now, I wouldn't have given it to just Tucker alone. I'm not anti-Tucker. I I think there are a couple other groups, organizations, people uh, who could have utilized uh, this video and gone through it and be able to share it with us. And I would like to have seen more of that. But I think this is very important stuff. I'm so cynical. And again, I get this is a me problem, but I'm so cynical. There was nothing that I saw from the original January 6th committee where I thought, oh, this is legit. I knew from the beginning that thing was smoke and mirrors. So when Tucker Carlson, if Tucker Carlson proves it, like I said, I'm not going to have this come to Jesus moment because I thought this whole thing was ridiculous to begin with. Does that make sense? Uh, for, for you, but it might be different for some other people, and it certainly could get really embarrassing for a Liz Cheney, for an Adam Kinzinger, for uh, NBC and MSNBC and CNN and CBS uh, when they've been talking this language and they are now confronted with with data that says maybe maybe you weren't given the whole story so if tucker carlson finds a smoking gun that ties ray epps into being this agent that's letting people in and trying to start it do you think the other networks mainstream media will pick up on the story or will this just be something that eh, well that's tucker carlson they will but it'll be like the new york post story it'll be two and a half years later tuesdays with tony tony katz with us one more thing before we let you go here Donald Trump still does the truth social for his social media, even though his team trying to get clearance to jump back on Facebook and Twitter. But the nicknames have already started going after Ron DeSantis, calling him Meatball. We've already got Ron DeSanctimonious. Is Trump's base starting to shrink because of the attacks on fellow Republicans right now? I think it it shrank a little because out of sight, out of mind. Right. So, so that's that's the first one. I don't know if the nicknames necessarily do it. I find the nicknames boring as, as, as sin. As I stated on the show, if you're somebody who's really calling Ron DeSantis meatball, Ron, I'm not paying any attention to you. You're an unserious person. I would delete your tweets. I'd block you from my life. It's just embarrassing, ridiculous, pathetic embarrassing. Now, I love that Trump said, I would never call Ron DeSanctimonious Meatball Ron. Meatball Ron? I'd never call him Meatball Ron. (laughs) Who would ever say Meatball Ron about Meatball Ron? I mean, Ron DeSanctimonious. Like, he did one of those. Right, right. Classic Trump. Uh, Anybody who is buying into this as something of strength and value is is a ridiculous person. What's coming up on the big shows tomorrow, Tony? Uh, That is a great question. Certainly, we're going to see what's going on with House Bill uh, 1068 and how things 
are going to progress, the lies that continue to be told about people who um, agree with what House Bill 1068 has has to offer. Uh, and uh, we're going to see how South Park targets uh, Meghan Markle next because it's joyous. I love it. So good. I am here for it. He's on social media at Tony Katz, Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. TK, thank you. Always. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.